Um, welcome to our brand new podcast. Um, my name is Allison Sibula, and that's uh, how you say your name. That I never knew <laughs> how to pronounce your last name. You're just Allison, you know. And the, and yeah. a lot of people are really uptight about it, but any way that anyone wants to say it is fine with me because we yeah. don't even say it the way that it's said. And it's a Polish last name. It means onion, yeah. and which is great because I love crying. Oh, um, and- <laughs> such a therapy name. Yeah, it. It, it really okay. is. Okay. And- okay. Well, my name is Ann Sherry. My often get called Sherry. They just drop the Ann out. So, really? um, but that's a, that I inherited that from getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, welcome to our podcast. We're finally here. Yeah. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. So we, we, ha- we have been talking about, about doing this, um, for many, many months. And Anne and I have been friends since 2005. I don't Whoa. even know what that math is. 16. I, sure. Yeah. <laughs> really? Um, 2005. That's right. When I moved to Asheville, 16 North years. Carolina. Okay, great. Okay. It's yep. right. When I moved to Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Anne and I both work in the field of mental health. I work in child trauma prevention. And you asking what I do? Yeah. Um, I am a internal family systems based therapist in Ash, well, Asheville. Um, I've been doing that since 2005 with mm-hmm. a license. Yeah. I graduated in two, uh, no, 2007, got my master's degree. So. And so I moved to Asheville, North Carolina in, in August of 2005 and moved in with, with Anne. She had a room for rent. That's how we met. And the thing was, is that I had just gotten out of rehab for my meth addiction. And did at, you tell me that? Did I know that? I yeah. am positive. I told yeah. you. Okay. I and wouldn't you, have cared. You no, know. you didn't. Yeah. You were like, great, yeah. let's do this. And that's um, good. And <laughs> you sound perfect. Yes. <laughs> and so, but coincidentally, yeah. or maybe, I don't know, maybe you were like, great, this is a project because you were just starting school to be a drug therapist. Remember that was I, your first passion. I, that was sort of the first passion trying to understand how, uh, whatever the shit show I grew up in, um, with an older brother who were there drugs in your childhood. Uh, were there, well, it was the seventies who knew like what babysitter came with high on acid to take care of us. It was pretty, the babysitter horror stories were were (laughs) so, I mean, just the seventies as a drug, as a child, I think, um, which I think we'll get into here quite a bit, like what it is to, you grew up in the, I mean, we're what 10, 15 years, how far apart are we? 15 years apart. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So I was born in 84. I was born in 68. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, um, but we realized that we had some, some overlap in our childhoods, um, Mm -hmm. just in terms of like, I'm almost your parents age. Actually. I remember meeting your dad. Yeah. Well, my parents were so young. They were so young young. when I was born. Yeah. So like my parents now are, are, like around that age of 60. Okay. One of my parents is deceased and the other one's 83, but he, they were same age. So see, and my grandparents are in their eighties. So that's, so that's so interesting. Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of when, when we'll, we'll be digging into (laughs) different child trauma, (laughs) child neglect topics here on the podcast. It's interesting that, I mean, even though you're older than I am, you're, well, let's see, but you're, oh, okay. So it does, it does put you in the same, same kind of category as my parents to have, to have your parents and my grandparents are the same age. Right. Right. And my parents, what I've discovered the way they grew up, uh, they're like a generation older than, um, my peers. Cause they grew up pretty, very, very poor in Northern mm. Alabama with okay. no electricity, no running water. That is a trip. It is such a trip. They were youngest of 10 and seven. And, um, so neglect abound, Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but I just yeah. thought everybody, I didn't think anybody, any of my peers, parents grew up with electricity running water. It was, it, it was a lot later. <laughs> so this is whole emotional piece. 
That's yeah. for, you know, in, the, cause I hear that when I hear about my friend's parents who grew up in the South, that's yeah. what I, that's the, those are the stories I hear. I'm sure it was more, I mean, my parents were born in 38. I'm sure it was more prevalent in the South than other places. But then when I hear, I don't know, when I hear the story, the cities of the South, it, it was, it was the rural was rural and yeah. the cities probably were, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I whole, wanna, I'm going to whole ask. history subject. Yeah. yeah. So my, like, one of my grandparents, well, once one side of my family, my grandparents are both Southern. So my, my yeah. mom's mom is from North Carolina near, near Asheville. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, although I think when I've asked her about Asheville, cause she grew up in Lenore, which is near Hickory. She's yeah. like, Oh, that, you know, those hillbillies or whatever. Like, it's so funny. Like the stigma is still there, you know, for totally. her, it's like a different world. It's just yeah. an hour away. I- and it's like, yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, Asheville was this like haven for wealthy folks to come and recuperate from tuberculosis or something. But I think the, it still has the Appalachian right yes. outside of it. Exactly. So, yeah. And then my mom's dad was born in Texas, but raised in Wyoming. Mm. And then um, that's a whole, that's like a whole episode about, cause he grew up on a, on a native American reservation. And uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. Ooh, topics Different. galore. Okay. <laughs> I think we got, we get ahead of ourselves. I, I told you not to follow my tangential, <laughs> like do not, There's you're the one on tangents. the Enneagram. Yes. You're, yeah. You, you, you got to keep us, you got to keep us aligned. Um, we yeah. have Enneagram too. That'll be a, a that'll a, be a, a, that'll be an episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah the purpose we're just trying to define what it is we're, we're doing today. And, uh, (laughs) some of the, our family backgrounds, you know, and so, because our family backgrounds influence who we are. And so my other set of grandparents are from Montana. Both my parents grew up in Montana and that, you know, kind of comes with its own particular cultural influences, especially to me, especially when it comes to physical neglect, like Mm -hmm. people don't hug, you know, and like, it's no, (laughs) So, but for you, everyone's from, everyone's Everybody's from, from the South. My parents what? knew each other in high school. Um, I don't know. They got married 20 at 25. Um, again, I, the youngest of 10 on my mom's side, youngest of seven. And then there were 12 years between my dad and his next sibling. So he kind of grew up sort of that Adler only child, uh, mm-hmm. cause the fam- the family was done. So he was sort of I don't oh. know. Bird, they didn't have birth control. So both of my mm. parents, um, both of my parents, parents. So my grandparents had them when they were in their forties, like what 40. The... Uh, well, what the, what I know, isn't that crazy? And then I have, a, <laughs> and then remember you... I have a child at 44. Um, I cannot believe so you had a child at 44. I can't either. I keep, yeah, I can't either. Little, little guys, only nine. So, um, that's amazing. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. (laughs) 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 Poor kid. He's got to like do mom and dad's, uh, uh, what do you call it? Midlife crisis. Like we're, we're traveling to Europe. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. He's got to come along with us. So he's getting a strange childhood that I'm sure he'll have okay, a podcast I, about. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Abs- I hope so. I yeah. absolutely hate those, like that term midlife crisis, because when am I not having a crisis? Well, this, I wrote that down as like, when I was sort of my notes, I was like, well, well, sure. But there is some, you're not quite here yet when, right. when you get to that 50 and then you're looking at the rest of the, I think I am curious about what shows up around that time, but I'm and, having my, yeah. my own crisis, which I'm sure you had at my age, I'm 36, which is like, oh my God, like if I want to have kids, I got to have them. Cause you're, I mean, oh, you're 40, yeah, but our baby is a miracle baby. That's like a total miracle, baby. miracle. Yes. Um, and, uh, the science part of that didn't work. He actually showed up after we gave up, uh, mm-hmm. trying. So, mm-hmm. so just, um, yeah, interesting to, to go through all that grief process. And then, then you get something after letting go. I don't know. Um, so where were we? So <laughs> <laughs> another tangent, <laughs> um, basically I just want to share our inspiration for starting this podcast, which is that we, the pandemic, the pandemic started a year ago 
and right. you and I decided let's, let's have a, a zoom call, you know, yes. like, like we're all Reconnect. doing every yeah. month. Yeah. We, we got along really well back. Laughed a in, lot. Yeah. A lot. Yep. And we thought, okay, let's, let's get back in touch. And, and, um, we, you know, we both work in the same area and we both were profoundly impacted by, um, teachings on childhood, emotional neglect. Yeah. And so then, then don't forget this piece. You started okay. doing the funniest posts on Facebook, like, <laughs> okay. Latch fellow latchkey kids. Oh yes. Yes. Tell the breakfast, I was, the, or that's the- right. That's right. I, I gotta, I gotta collect all those stories. I was, um, I think that, uh, you know, there was a lot going on about Gen Xers being very comfortable with the pandemic. Right. Um, right. Cause <laughs> like, we don't expect anything, you know, not having anywhere to go being bored is just like, so fine on Mm -hmm. my nervous system. And it must've resonated with Gen Xers or those that came home without parents generally, or Mm -hmm. parents that gave a shit. Um, so I don't know if that, I I guess latchkey started in the seventies with moms going back to work. I I don't know. Exactly. Um, Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, also having this anyway, so having, my child too. And sort of seeing the ages of, I would never let him go sell Girl Scout cookies, um, by himself in first grade, like <laughs> half a mile from home, but Which is I what did, you did. <laughs> totally. I'm like, I'm out, you know, I gotta go make my quota. Um, <laughs> so, um, any, yeah. So that kind of, I just started doing this, like, God, I bet that did have an impact or, or so and got I, curious. Yeah. About yeah. what that was and had been in my own personal work for several years now, really getting that this was a thing, childhood, emotional neglect, and didn't feel like it was being written about that much or discussed. Totally. It was like this secret thing you had to talk about because for the most part, you seem, I'm, I'm interested in for the most part, you we develop a lot of strategies. We have good managers. We become productive. We become perfectionists. We become, it looks good on the surface, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like a, just, it's like a shit show back in there. And there's a lot of shame, <laughs> a lot of emotions, and you try to go work it out in therapy, but, uh, but it's, it seemed all in service of become looking fine in the world. I'm good. I'm good. It was just, yeah. where do I go to look good? and fine and functional. Um, but there is that level of like, it's empty in there. (laughs) Or if I go underneath the emptiness, it's shame that will, uh, annihilate me is sort of how it feels. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about this, um, in our conversations that I got, I got like latchkey parenting light, right? Cause you grew up in the seventies. I grew up in the eighties and nineties. Um, yeah. And so you, you had like full latchkey then by the eighties, parents were like, ah, maybe God, maybe we need to adjust this, but still had the effects of both, both parents working. Yes. No, there's no, you know, required paid parental leave in the U S there's no like high quality, low cost childcare. So if you have two Mm -hmm. working parents, like, I mean, it can get real dark. (laughs) Yeah. I'm wondering if the pan, this is interesting. Like this pandemic, we may have, I wonder if we're going to produce another generation of children that felt, uh, well, it's, it's one year, but, um, I, I have no idea how parent working parents or single parents were managing children during this year. It's like a devastating. Well, I think a lot of women have just put their careers on hold, which to me is devastating. You know, Mm -hmm. one of my best girlfriends who, who you met Laura, um, you know, she has three kids. She had just gone back to work after taking, you know, some years off to have three kids. And then when the pandemic hit, it's like, well, whose job comes first? Well, her husband makes more, you know? So, okay. So someone has to take care of the kids at home. Someone has to teach them school, you know, someone has to make sure they get on their zoom school chat. So it's not going to be her. She doesn't make enough money to support you know, the whole family and his income does. And that's just been devastating to watch. Yeah. I think likely, I don't know. It was like a a big shot of neglect. We realized how neglectful this entire nation is. 
like just really feeling that a great deal of it at top levels, just don't give a shit about people. No, (laughs) I think we knew that, but I think it like brought it, uh, 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 has it in great relief now that we really see that it's actually policies that don't give a shit or lack of policies. Absolutely. And I've really been, I think we're all ready to hear these teachings, which is why we think this podcast is relevant right now yes. is like, we're ready, we're ready to talk about it or, yep. you know, and, um, I've been digging into a lot of different materials about that, you know, kind of give us a different history of the United States. So I, the one that I just read was uh, white trash, the history of Ooh. class in America, retelling the history of class in America, because girl, I haven't read that. I got to get that one. Oh, it's so okay. Good. I know you're my source on all that. <laughs> I feel like I tend to like, uh, balance out with, uh, just straight up, uh, podcast, like the murder podcast, the, yeah. the just talking shit podcast. Yeah. But well, um, the, the podcast yeah. that I that's like the same topic that I love is pitchfork economics. You've been listening to yep. some of those. I have. Yep. That's another retelling every time. Yep. It's so good. It's it so, is it's, so good. It is so good. It's really, yeah. Highly recommend that one. But just about, you know, like sort of the America that we're taught in our history classes growing up is not the real America that really exists, you know, and the reality is that our country was founded by people who wanted to make as much money as possible, dehumanizing mm-hmm. others as much as possible. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you read cat, you read cast though, Isabel. Yes. Said, yes. Okay. Yep. And so white trash is really sort of like, almost like the white version, you know? Okay. And I really think, um, you know, p- land barons or people who already had power and money, you know, as they settled America, they wanted to take advantage of whoever they possibly could, you know, Africans, poor white people from England and Ireland, like whoever they could just take advantage of. And Mm -hmm. so that's why white trash is really enlightening. And, um, and we still see the effects of that today. So, you know, if you haven't restudied history, you're not understanding how literally the very foundation of our country is about dehumanization and neglect. Yes. Well, and that's something too, just, you know, is new ish to bring into the therapy room, like the Mm -hmm. individual therapy room, you know, people are showing up being like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Like, okay. I'm going to, and I, I did therapy like that for years, I think, but without, again, talking about the historical perspective and the number of levels that, um, like we're trying to fix ourselves to operate in a toxic culture, you know? So I regularly bring in, wait a minute, (laughs) let's take a look at what all the values of this um, culture is that we're trying to exist in. And, and that hopelessness often of, you know, coming to those uh, important places of healing vulnerability, um, finding, I don't know, internal connection, feeling more loving. And then you, head out into the world and it's like, you know, getting y'all like gushy. And then it's like, go back to that, uh, narcissistic, uh, (laughs) relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and just, you know, surviving, um, the Trump years, um, too. Yeah, I know. And he's just a natural out. Yeah. Yes. There's no way. I think what we're coming to here is this shit is in everything, you know, like there's a, yeah. And almost the developmental healing of this is there is a lot of like, I fucking hate my parents, (laughs) you know, parts of me that do. And then I'm like, holy shit, we're all caught in these nightmare systems where there's not a basis of love in this. Exactly. It's, it's really, it's it's really the culture. And I think that just hating your parents is a trap. I think it's a dead trap. Yeah. And I, I, you know, that kind of, for me started when I read, um, the drama of the gifted child by Alice mm. Miller, which mm-hmm, to me is like mm-hmm. the Bible, the, the, the childhood emotional, like, I got Bible. two copies yeah, of it on my shelf. I just rearranged my books today. <laughs> I was like, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Yep. And you know, Alice Miller, I think she does an amazing job and I love how angry she gets at parents. Like, I love it. She's so yep. rageful. She talks about how in one of her other books, um, 
that I think it's the fourth commandment about obeying your parents, you know, how mm-hmm. that set up, you know, basically abusive parenting. And she just yeah. rails. She's just like, you don't have to like your parents. You don't have to respect your parents because she's like, you have to cut that cord. You can't just right. go around living your life in a, that, you know, all those coping strategies that right. we learned to, yep. to like figure out how to make it so that it seemed like the abuse that we were getting was love, you know, like, and then we, and then we're just going around in the haze. So she peels all that back, but it's like, you can't stay in that place. No, it's on the way of healing. And uh, that model I was talking about internal family systems, which uh, I think a fair number of people would know about it. And we could put a link in our, don't we have show notes? Yes. Oh yeah, we will. will. Yes, we will. (laughs) Um, Anyways. Yeah, but it is important. Uh, it's just, a, it's, a, it's on the, the, we'll do an episode on this as well, but grief, the, mm-hmm. the important role of grief, because that is the way to let go and transcend. I think some of those hurts that developmentally, you got to return to those places. You know, I, I have people coming at it's there. I don't want to do all that inner child shit. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I'm like, I don't know how else we got little, we got experiences. We got our nervous system stuck in the past. It, I think what's happened is a lot of emoting, um, without a plan to get that, um, the nervous system in contact with something that's more, uh, generate, uh, can heal from the present moment. I mean, I, I, there's a statement, he, the treatment for trauma is safety. So until those parts mm-hmm, feel mm-hmm. safe, seen, heard, understood, you'll just, you, there is a way you keep going back to that and looking for sort of, um, uh, redemption, right. Yeah. <laughs> Which keeps you kind of stuck. So, but it's, it's a tough, I think people need to be prepared sometimes to stay in those areas for a while, you know, That's childhood true. is long, the child brain, like our, my life is flying at this stage, but from zero to <laughs> high school is like in my years, yeah. that's like eons. Like you're in it for a long time. And it and felt that way it. too. Do you remember? Yeah. I can just still remember like I don't know, it's whole summers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Whole yeah. summers of just being yeah. so bored out of my freaking mind Ooh, and just did staring you not have at a pool the wall. to go to. Did no. you not go to the Oh, see, that's what we had maybe in the 70s. We could we it's just that was our babysitter. We went to the damn pool. You know, like from 9 a.m. till I swear I whatever six begging food, you know, begging (laughs) for food, reaching your arm up into the Tom's machine to grab the whatever (laughs) breaking stuff. I was I was a hellion for sure. But there I I remember not that many parents being around. There was a whole gaggle of us like that would just walk to the pool, get dropped off at the pool. and I do remember some parents being there and like, God, what's that like to have a, <laughs> your mom be at the pool with you all day, you know? So, yeah, but at least we had that. I mean, there's gifts too. I, you know, I, this, there is some healing to do, but I think as the healing occurs, I also think it's important for us to, um, highlight gifts from growing yeah. up that way. Um, somehow they, they emerge. You know? I know. I- <sighs> Yeah. I, 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 I have mixed feelings about that. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Because I feel you like guys are going to watch me and Allison, like, have, <laughs> like, like, like battle it out or come to, well, like- just that I, you know, that term toxic positivity is, is, Oh, oh I hate that term now. And I'm from California and you lived, you lived in California for now. I years. lived in San Francisco for eight years. Yeah. yeah. But I was in San Francisco. It's like cold and like, I know, but just Californians are just, it's this fake smile, this fake happiness. Hi, how are you? Oh my God. I'm great. Oh, yoga. Did you have chia seeds breakfast? It's just like, and so, you know, it's like, maybe you could just admit that it was hard and bad, you know, and like not see the silver lining. So that's where I, I think it's important to be like, wow, this made me who I am and I love who I am. But I'm also like, but also the house fucked up. Like, no, totally. Totally. I don't, you, that's like spiritual bypassing, yes. you know, like if you're not gonna, I mean, but somehow what I am noticing is some level of, um, well, IFS does this. So if you, mm-hmm. you go and you sort of heal the burden, like if you have a neglectful childhood, you're likely to have a burden around. I'm not lovable. I'm not wanted. My needs can't be met. Um, but that, what that does is suppress the natural gifts you come with. Um, 
So once you can release those burdens, like you, many gifts are available and they're not, they're not, I mean, it's spontaneity, it's playfulness, it's creative, it's authenticity. That just doesn't feel authentic to me. Like mm-hmm. how many yoga classes you, I mean, if I don't know that, yeah whatever yeah. that kind of, and I mean, you know, in the South too, it's like, we've got fake high, whatever, bless your heart. But oh yeah, yeah I like, yeah. I like, so I, I don't know. Flannery O'Connor. Have you read? I haven't. Oh. I haven't. She's like Southern. I like that Southern Gothic. I was very drawn to that where it's yeah. like, you know, I don't know. It looks bless your heart. And then the, like people are murdering each other and just like <laughs> the intensity of which I don't know. It just, it speaks to something. Maybe that's why we like the murder podcast so much or something. I don't know. Yeah. I Just think the, the, yeah, the murder, the I'm often conflicted. I'm like, God, why do I love murder? I, so but we, did it's you not because, see that Saturday night live skit? Like try oh, to get your, your, your the, the boyfriend goes out for an evening on the town and the, the girl is, um, it tended to be girls. I think ten mm-hmm. were like so excited to have that uh, a whole night to, alone to be able to watch the cult series and the and the murder podcasts and I mean all this like dominate that I don't know, domination or just horror you know so I don't know um, <laughs> I think it's making I think we just our brains have to make sense of horrific yeah. things like violence mm-hmm. but I think as women are tend to be especially drawn to that stuff because most of the time these are crimes perpetrated against women. And most yes. of the time it's by men against women. Yes. Yeah. Men, yeah. Com- men commit a lot of violence against men too. Actually, when you look at like kind of the stats, cause I work, you know, I work, I'm not a therapist. I work in public health. So I tend to look at larger population level health trends on violence. Yeah, cause I'm all anecdotal and you're going to actually <laughs> tell me if it's true or not. Cause mine are going to be personal stories and um, but it's, but self-referential. It's not, yeah. yeah. So, but there's, there's kind of a thing happening um, you know, I, I guess I could speak, especially for the United States, but certainly in other countries as well, but it's like, men are killing men, men are killing women, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not mm-hmm. that, it's not that much of the other way around. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how that I'm sure we'll make that, uh, relate to neglect somehow. Have we told, uh, uh, do we, uh, do you think we're clear on what we're doing here. We, we want to laugh. <laughs> okay. We want to bring awareness to, you know, I had a, um, I, I had a therapist one time refer to this as a, um, emotional neglect as a unnatural disaster. And that's always stuck with me as a, what does that um, mean? It's like, it's a disaster, but it's, I mean, at the, the, your life, um, in, uh, growing up with neglect, it's sort of like this invisible, like a natural disaster, you know, mm-hmm. people are going to come together. It's very visible. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody really comes together, you know? So it does feel like when you really start getting down in there in the shame pieces, it's like, this is as messy and awful and disastrous as I think it is, but then you start to gaslight yourself. So it's not quote unquote supposed to happen. So it's not natural, right? an unnatural disaster. But is it not natural? Because I often think about this, like, especially, you know, the, that book that we love, that was such a huge inspiration for starting this, which is, um, running on empty by um, Janice Webb running on empty about recovering from childhood, emotional neglect, just that book changed my life. It changed. Totally. And I only just, I knew about it like for whenever it came out and it sat on my shelf. I'm a great book buyer and book stacker (laughs) and book looker. Yeah. I'm glad to have a Kindle now. So I don't have to look at my, (laughs) my, my gluttony of Mm -hmm. books. Mm -hmm. Um, anyways, um, yeah, but I, I re I went back to that, this pandemic and was like, holy hell, this is it. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I had a meltdown. I like had to check myself into a psychiatric hospital, literally (laughs) after I read that book, we'll come back. We'll come back. That's a different, that's a whole topic. Okay. Yeah. But wait, it sounds like you were saying it, but isn't this natural? So, but in her book, which she does really well. And literally, if you haven't read it, go, go buy it. Like right now, you can listen to the audiobook. Just, I, yeah. I know I just said I had a meltdown and had to check myself in a psych hospital, yeah. but you really should read this book. Okay. But Allison was a meth addict. So, so look, <laughs> 
She's a little primed for it. You might be stronger than I am. Okay. <laughs> and she and she has running on empty no more, which is uh, uh, the second one, which is really good. That's I just read that one a couple with. years ago. Yeah, yeah, that one really helps with um, uh, relationships, particularly how it shows up in relationship with friends, with intimate, and how with to parents, have the hard children. conversations. Yes. Yeah. So, but okay, yeah. but in running on empty, she does this amazing thing where she goes, "This is what an emotionally nurturing." parent looks and sounds like this is what that looks and sounds like that's what got me I was like I could have had this I could have had this the whole time right right and I couldn't stop crying (laughs) well there's the grief piece right and I and in the in this time this pandemic time I I have been through uh which I highly recommend it's a called grief recovery process I went through Mm -hmm. that with my um an amazing woman uh who led it at our church Mm -hmm. um So that was a huge missing piece after working, 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 but actually having this uh, process witnessed by others where you get to, Mm -hmm. because there's something about it, all of that happens like kind of in secret. And then you go and work with your therapist and it's like this private place, but to be able to what I, and I can't say that's the thing that will heal it. I don't know. It's going to be different. What needs to plug in for everyone, but there was something about that, like the, the words now everyone knows, right. And it's not blaming. It isn't like, um, I, anyway, lots of parts come up around that, but what felt really key and did give me some release around just this intense (laughs) hatred, um, for my, uh, the, the living parent is Mm -hmm. what I worked on. Um, was I think it was being witnessed and not being judged. That's why I, I, I don't know, I, probably why AA and stuff works. I mean, you have a whole room full, full of people witnessing yes. you and yes. not judging you, right? Yeah. So it kind of is this in theory. Um, <laughs> and I, I will, I'm raising my hand right here now. I am a judgy motherfucker for sure, but I know that's a part of me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very natural yeah, part. I think it is, but I'm still like, I'm still wondering like how, I, that term unnatural disaster, maybe it was because I was deep in the shit at that time. And I, and it, and it hit, it felt right for my exile or the deepest part of me that was like, yes, something this is one. And perhaps it it was a disaster and we live our lives and, and we plug into this culture, which we'll get into white supremacy culture here too. The the, Tema Okun's, um, list of characters. Oh, so it's so so good. good. Healing. But it all, it all, it's like the perfectionist it's, um, uh, uh, competence. Um, I I need this. So this, this, that's what you live into. And everybody's like, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're like, I'm not fucking fine. Right. But that's, that comes back to the point I was trying to make about, about Mm -hmm. her book, which is, but where, where, who are these nurturing parents? I don't know if they, I, do they really exist or is it just a theory? I hope the fuck I'm one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you mean the parents now or the parents? I mean, I think um, parents now, I mean like social yeah. emotional learning. That's new. Yeah. That's new. It is fucking new. I think we have to like, um, I guess I, I don't know when it started, but I think, I don't know. I mean, I see people I grew up with and Oh, this is the thing on a podcast. It's like, are you talking about me? Are you talking about me? If anybody actually who I grew I up with listens to this, I'm not, I'm not gonna put it out to those people anyways. Um, <laughs> but I see almost the whole, um, I don't know. That's why I struggle sometimes as a therapist and I can find, um, people that I'm, I, I really have to get supervision and watch parts of me. Like when people come in and actually want to repair their relationships or they have a lot of like, they, they keep going back to drink at wells that aren't going to fill them up. Mm -hmm. It almost confuses me because I'm so avoidant. (laughs) That's what, that's how I learned to deal with my, how I grew up. Um, I'm like, wow, just cut that, cut that shit loose, you know? And I'm same, so this, same. so this, I'm, I'm always impressed and I can hold space, but I do have, um, some confusion parts of me have confusion, like, and, and, and that ties it. God dang, this is a damn octopus we're doing here. Yeah. Also. Yeah. But we'll get to I keep all thinking, these. We'll get to I know. All I keep these. thinking we can be like, we're only going to speak like a chapter, like chapter <laughs> one. And it's everything all the time. Yeah. That's why I like there's a Radiohead song, I think, titled that. Anyways. 
I don't know. Um, but I, I am finding, well, this may be a tangent, but I'll just finish this thought, which is a big goal of mine to finish sentences and thoughts. Um, (laughs) I don't know if I'll achieve that this lifetime. Um, but I started doing the white supremacy work. Um, I don't know, just, just before Trump, uh, 2015-ish, like started to get like, what is this thing? Um, Mm -hmm. and growing up with the South, that's a whole, other thing at just segregation, even though it wasn't legal, it was sanctioned and sanctified and you saw it everywhere. But I found the qualities I needed to be effective in white supremacy work. I didn't have, cause it, it's like to be real, to stay in relationship, to fight for love. And I was like, I am totally ill-equipped and uh, to be effective or successful or make headway in white and undoing white supremacy culture because mm-hmm. I am bought, that's how I grew up. And that's, yeah. ooh. so it's been an interesting journey. I almost see it as this infinity circle as like doing some of the personal work, trying to be in community. But like, I think that's why us white people are kind of bad at this. I think we benefit from whiteness, but I also mm-hmm. like the, the privileges, but I think it's hard for us to change the culture because we are missing the skills of um, radical honesty staying in conflict, fighting for relationship. Um, Absolutely. That that's what love is. Like no one fought for love in my family. We just knew how to fight sort of, or ignore. Literally, it was a lot of ignoring, not talking about shit, mm-hmm. quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So when people get conflictual, I'm like, parts of me are like, I'm the, I got to get the fuck out of here. Um, and it looks all good on the surface. It looks like I'm doing the work, but there's deep shame that I have to encounter of why I can't show up. Well, and um, it does all come back to child trauma, which will be, you know, like sort of our grounding place yeah, um, yeah. on this podcast, you know, no matter what we talk about, because our inability to show up with strength and conflict comes yeah. from ch- a childhood in which we felt afraid and our nervous oh, system, just, our yeah. nervous system was just on high alert, you know, and, and, but a lot of times it's like the economic conditions that created stress in the household. So for example, you know, I had like a big reconciliation with um, my mom this summer where she said, you know, let's sit down. I want to talk about stuff that I did wrong. This was her, she initiated. I want to talk about stuff I did wrong in your childhood. And, um, you know, we, we looked through old photos. What was that like, it was really hard, but really necessary and good. I cried a lot, but I've almost, I cannot (laughs) even imagine crying in front of my mother. I don't think that will happen. Like, no, oh, really? That's okay. Not gonna, yeah. Your, oh, no, no, your no, no, shit no. is so different from mine. My it's, shit there's overlap, is di- well, but that, it's different. I think, I think you're on the, um, like your parents are still with it enough mm-hmm. and not like locked up in like well, layers and layers. They got there. No, well, right. My, there was, that just, I, I don't know how many, I'd love to see the stats on how many 80, people in their eighties go to therapy. Literally none of them. I don't know any, do you? Okay. I don't. Um, I, you know, I, because I found myself, I am inspired by older people that are just rocking it out and willing to do. So I find myself in those circles and drawn to women, like at my church, there's elderly women that just are the neatest people on the planet and open to. So, but on mass, no. I, I don't well, think once so. We figure out what our like official email address is and I'll, I'll put a little uh, extra recording at the end of this with that. If you right. know, or you are someone in your eighties or older who is in therapy or went to therapy, I, w- I want particularly know. doing I like know. parent healing or yeah. legacy healing. Like that, again, that IFS that I practice, that is a whole modality. There's a whole arm of it basically about legacy unburdenings, you know, so Ooh. being able to unburden, um, cause I mean, when I look back, you know, my parents were just, they didn't experience the depression, but their entire family did right. Being youngest mm-hmm. of 10 and youngest mm-hmm. of Sam mm-hmm. se- seven, they, all the siblings lived through the depression. And, mm-hmm. and I, I have to wonder, I don't know, in the rural South, did the depression feel that different? you know? I mean, I think they They're were just already regular. living, they yeah, just totally. like living totally. regular. Yeah. So, um, but also another, you know, another piece here of this is like, how are we going to, um, Adrian Marie Brown, uh, pleasure activism and, um, emergent strategy are two books that are imported. Um, mm-hmm. but she, uh, just this, uh, idea of how are we going to live into community? 
right? When like you have generations of either communities being broken up, Mm -hmm. um, at least I I project uh, my father's past now. So I can't, I could probably ask some of my cousins um, that, Mm -hmm. but what did they, I think they had a community, (laughs) Well, and but then they I... left that community because they got <laughs> educated. My dad was a PhD. My mom did go to college, yeah. you know, like, uh, but that kind of made them different. I think. Um, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, th- I think that's a, a big different, I mean, yeah, the access to education piece, what, what I, the, just the thought I wanted to finish around, you know, having these conversations with my mom is that there were socioeconomic pieces as to why she was so stressed that she snapped. Like if I broke something, if I was like a three-year-old and I broke something, it was like the end of the world because you don't really have the money to replace it. Right. And I think we experienced some of that. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, and, and maybe that wasn't even the truth, but she'd inherited it from her parent scarcity who inherited it from being born in the depression. You know what I mean? It's like, wait, we do actually have the money in the bank to replace that, but she'd already inherited this scarcity mindset so that if something like, if you knocked over the milk at the kitchen table, it wasn't like, Oh, it's just milk. Like I'll just clean it up. It was like, Oh my God, what are you doing? That's a whole glass of milk, you know? Right. And our nervous systems retain all of that. And Mm -hmm. so now later when your partner is like, Hey, can we talk about an interaction we had? I didn't feel very good about. And you're remembering the milk. You're remembering your parents telling you about the milk. And all of a sudden you're like, nothing bad can happen. I I I come out, I come out swigging. If I hear that, like, Hey, can we talk about something? (laughs) I've either completely disappeared. Like, uh, well, I'll just get a divorce. Like that will solve that. Like, yeah. Yeah. I have just, I could disappear. I am much better, but my, I've had a history of just, I mean, I was in a marriage for 15 years. I really didn't want to be in like that's gonna, the level gonna of a whole episode on that. Oh Lord have mercy. Yeah. <laughs> just the level of compartmentalization. And I don't, I literally don't have any needs. And I do think yeah. it's like that 25 to 40, you still like got so much time ahead of you. I mean, I can remember at 40, my, um, a voice in my head, like, it's fine. It'll be over when you're dead. And I caught that voice, you know, like, no, I have to leave this relationship. Mm-hmm. I do not want to be in this. I don't know. Anyways. So, so I think you get there developmentally, but I would, yeah. also, I mean, just through age, you're like, okay, the end is coming closer and closer. And that can yeah. be a motivator. De- I would love to this podcast to encourage people to, and I think we are as a culture talking about this more, but just as another avenue, hopefully we're funny enough to grab some people. <laughs> start, <laughs> no let's start, to, let's start talking. I mean, like, let this be out in the open. It's okay. I mean, just this at the root of it is just, I think intense shame. And I know Brene Brown's been out there about shame, but it's like, the, uh, it feels like shame. There's just, um, layers and layers and layers and layers of it. And I think you can have good skills around shame, but like to really experience, um, I don't know, going to school, just, I didn't, I used to make up shit about, (laughs) um, around curfews and stuff or, you know, uh, I I really had stories that my parents, that where I would just copy kids where it felt like their parents really were paying attention. And I was aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just used to copy, I would just say that's happening for me too, Shut or something. Up. Yes. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, my parents are going to be so mad. If I don't come home by curfew, God, they get so mad. You are kidding. They, me. I, I don't remember them really giving a shit. Of course I had an older brother that was so off the charts. Yeah. Um, drugs and mental health. And I mean, maybe they were just I think I'm, so I think preoccupied I'm that older sibling with that. Older si- well, maybe that'll be, <laughs> for you and I to be together. Yeah. 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 And, and so we had talked about, this is another, one of the other avenues I'm really interested in that level of hate that can, and, and all the, um, Oh, just all the anger as a kid and just, oh, yeah. just layers of hate, you know? And so this polarization, I'm ripe to get into these polarizations. I'm, I'm part of the problem. I'm sure because a or, it, it makes it so easy to hate each other and to slow down and really, um, understand, you know, I listen, oh, like, I could name all kinds, like my congressperson in North Carolina 11, Madison Cawthorn. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I just take out my shit on his Twitter feed and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> like he is, so, and it's almost designed. It's like some puppeteer is up there going like, let me show you how I can keep all these people apart and busy. You know, I am going to post the, the most offensive stuff. And my stuff is I really do think offensive. That's a Republican strategy. I do. Oh, I fall for it. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. And the put liberal, me on hold. Yeah. With the a liberal hatred yeah. of Republicans yeah. is real. And it's exactly the problem. It's so ironic that we're like, I hate people that hate people. And I'm like, wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I get it. I hear it. Yep. Yeah. And so, so yeah, you know, like I was, yep. I was on that, uh, I went on live radio on Wednesday to talk about why as white people, we need to care about, you know, reparations for, um, descendants of enslaved people in the United States. Yes. And, yep. um, I got a lot of conservative callers calling in live and, you know, oh I just God. tried to keep I'd... saying, I want to meet you where you're at. I want to meet you where you're at on this. I want to hear I tr- you. I try that and Facebook isn't a great place to try that actually, because I can hang in there the for a while. It's literally the worst. <laughs> it's being, being 53. It's the, it's the platform that makes sense to me. And, um, <laughs> Anyways, I try, I have tried, I have tried and I, it always winds up with some string of F words and, and a block. So, um, (laughs) I do, I try, I don't have a, but you know what I, what I found about that, what, which again was doing the, um, trying to do the anti-racist work. Mm -hmm. Um, I, some, I can't something around this, getting curious enough about this. Um, Ruby sales had a, um, great podcast on or mm-hmm. episode on being like, yeah, where yeah, she, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember that one. Asked, yeah. Where are you hurt? You know, and I love that one so it. much. Oh yeah. my God. That one's a cry mm-hmm. tears, mm-hmm. uh, lots of tears. Um, but what I realized was I really learned to just fight. I mean, it's just anger. That's not grounded, you know, and there's a lot of, um, uh, I'll come up. I can't remember their names right now. Um, but just some meditation, some Buddhist teachers, just helping to understand that level of anger. And, and I think it's just all this. It's just all that neglect. Where's it going to go? It's fucking infuriating. And so what you learn, it starts yeah. to come out as just anger, just fight. I'm just going to fight. And the, yep. there's so much to fight for, but if you're not fighting what I got clear about, which was groundbreaking is, oh, we're fighting to be in relationship and that's okay. You know, that it, I can love that, that revelation out. that you taught me. Oh my God. It was huge. Like, yeah. cause I, I witnessed a conflict in my, in our church. Um, and, and just the, the level of passion, like I'm calling you back to me. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. it, and it's really um, from a body perspective, it was the coming of knowing that conflict was coming. I don't, uh, details aren't important, but I could, it was so much intensity in my body, but when the actual conversation was occurring and Mm -hmm. I was bearing witness to it, I was so calm. Something in me knew, Oh, this is what it looks like to be fiercely in love with each other. Mm. Like, like we've had a rift and it's gone on too long and I'm going to, I'm going to stay and I'm going to fight to be in relationship with you. And I was like, that's amazing. I want that. Mm -hmm. I, all I know how to do is just be angry and fight. Um, so that is a, and I don't, I don't know. I still work on it and I try to watch where the other thing comes up. I mean, we used to, my older brother used to like, uh, broker fights between my younger brother and I like knocked it. Yeah. No, but there were no parents around. Yeah. So, I mean, literally that sounds like typical like, kid shit. Jesus. Typical. <laughs> yeah. Um, do they do? I don't think, I don't know if they do that as much today because somebody's like, you know, saying like, Hey, wait a minute. Hey, you can't just leave somebody's all these moderating. kids home alone. <laughs> I know it's like Lord of the flies and that like that's carried into. So I don't know if that's what's going on. I think we're trying to figure out what is playing into the ways we're being played yeah. by uh, social media forces. Why does it work to keep us polarized? Mm-hmm, um, what's mm-hmm. so hard about being fucking kind to each other and, mm-hmm, and realizing mm-hmm. there's enough. I just, I don't understand. Like, it's like we're, we're, we're programmed and we're just being manipulated. And that's what Adrian Marie Brown's work is. Uh, the emergent strategy and pleasure activism is a lot about, and lots of people's works on, um, 
what is, how can we imagine a society that doesn't exist yet? Like we are trying yeah. to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think we know it yet, but I do but think I feel like based. it is happening. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It seems this like is, this is where I came to religion girl. Like yeah. I didn't grow up with anything, but I was an Eastern religion major in college. The Buddhist stuff mm-hmm. made sense to me, but I somehow have come around. I go to a pretty liberal church in Nashville, at land of the sky, shout out. Um, and damn, if you actually follow Jesus, and I'm not saying like, except Jesus, Lord, savior, Christ in your heart and all that. I'm not converting anybody, but just reading. It almost feels like that might be dude. a bridge. He was a wise for real. dude. Yeah. For real. No, so, I agree. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not a Christian. And, um, yeah. but I do, I, don't, I always say I'm religious, but not spiritual. Cause I, yeah. um, yeah, I love church. I love going to Unitarian Universalist church. I always have, yeah. um, but we don't, you don't have to follow any certain kind of no. teachings in that church. But it feels like the language that could, that's almost like the language that, that like, uh, prosperity, Christianity and stuff like that is a, there are the same words. It's the same language, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that might be a way in to say, cause that's where I go. Usually it's the people that I'm fighting with on Facebook. They're like, damn socialists. I'm like, you are one of the biggest Christians I know. How do you even say that your dude was socialist as fuck, right? They, ju- they just, they don't get it. I know. So, and I don't know enough about the, uh, I can't, I can't, they start arguing passages and shit with me and I'm like, I'm out. I don't, I don't know. I just like, uh, the meek shall inherit the earth, blessed are the poor, that kind of stuff <laughs> rather than we're so fucking mad at the poor people. Right. I have story after story after story, our prison industrial complex and, uh, don't get that's a whole nother episode um well cool so um thanks for listening in and um you know we're gonna cover we you know we have such a a list here we're gonna we're gonna cover childhood emotional neglect i don't know i'm just kind of reading my list codependency yeah go for it shame the the latchkey cookbook Oh, well, right. That. Yeah. I got it. I got it. We're going to, we may have a um, cooking show. Maybe we'll do a YouTube cooking channel for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, aftermath of the pandemic policy and childhood trauma, racial equity and, you know, white privilege, just all the stuff we've kind of been talking about, but we're going to explore all this stuff and how it shows up in our lives and how we feel. And all right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Latchkey Urchins and Friends podcast. Music is by Proxima Parada. And this podcast is made by Allison Sibula and Anne Sherry. You can find show notes and other information at latchkeyurchins.com.